You're listening to In Her Voice, a podcast brought to you by Women in Hollywood. I'm your host, Melissa Silverstein, and this podcast is dedicated to supporting and amplifying the voices of women who work in the global entertainment business. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. I'm excited for you all to hear my interview with writer-director Laurel Parmet, whose film The Starling Girl opens in theaters in the U.S. on May 12th. We had a really great conversation about her experience at Sundance and this wonderful little movie called The Starling Girl starring Eliza Scanlon. Hi, Laurel. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Congratulations on your movie, The Starling Girl. Thank you. So um, this is your first feature, correct? Correct. Okay. Um, So I guess I want to start with the title. So it, you know, it's clearly about um, a starling girl. And so talk a little bit about why that title. Yeah, I, I, I'm usually really bad with titles, um, but for some reason, this one uh, came pretty early on in the process. Um, it's, I think it started with, quite honestly, like, I liked the way that Starling, the name Starling sounded. Um, and I liked the idea that um, that was how people would talk about her once, like, you know, a- after everything that happened, uh, you know, in the community and, and with her youth pastor, that they'd be like, oh, that- that's the Starling girl. Right. Um, but I also liked the idea that it sort of, like, makes, it, it individualizes her a little bit um, and-, and maybe, you know, makes her stand out a little bit. But it also universalizes her in a bit because it could happen to lots of girls. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What happened to her? So, um You know, I've noticed, I don't know about you, that we are getting a little bit more comfortable in our world with coming of age stories of young women and girls. We had Are You That God? It's Me, Margaret, recently. I know she's younger than Jem. But, uh, A, have you noticed that? And and what does that mean to you? I have noticed that, uh, and it's freaking awesome. Um, especially cause when I was coming of age, there weren't that many. It's any, I mean, I, I, there's one film that I, I think of a lot when, um, when I was younger that I saw called, um, Slums of Beverly Hills by Tamara Jenkins that I love. I love that movie and it, I think I loved it so much because it was at a time where there were, it came out when there was a lot of uh, teen movies that were just oftentimes really like caricatured women and, and like, and their sexual experiences. And oftentimes like women's sexuality was just like the butt of a joke. Um, And, and it was always about like, you know, there were really, a lot of them were really sexist and really objectified women. And I think, unfortunately, I internalized a lot of that growing up and it kind of informed like just, uh, how I saw myself in relation to men and like needing to like seek their approval. And I mean, it's not obviously, it's not just the fault of those films. It's, it's society. Right. Well, know. the patriarchal society that we live in, the misogynist American patriarchal pie. society. Yeah. That. I mean, American pie is like the opposite of slums of 
Beverly Hills, right? It's like they're like <laughs> polar opposites. And I, you're not the first woman director to say that, that that movie, yeah. Slums of Beverly Hills, is something that was seminal. And uh, I think it's pretty cool that now we have some of these movies where that means a lot to people. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, young women can watch this film too and, and see themselves in, in, in jam and in her experiences and, uh, you know, be heartened by that. Yeah. So you chose a very particular place for yeah. this film to take place in Christian fundamentalist, patriarchal community where women have very little, <clears throat> excuse me, very little agency. Um, so why that place? Um, a couple reasons. Uh, the more specific personal reason is I, I, it, I met a group of women from a patriarchal church, uh, in Oklahoma when I was doing research for a different project. And my time with them personally was very meaningful to me. Um, it made me, I, I had a relationship with a, a an older man when I was a teenager and I'd had a lot of guilt about it, but I don't think I, I didn't reckon with it. I didn't recognize it. I just like kind of threw those feelings away. Um, cause I had a lot of agency in the relationship and I really pursued the guy. Um, and when I was with these women and, and, and learning what they, you know, what they believed about, about female desire and that it was like the woman's responsibility to not lead a man into temptation, really no matter their age, um, it was just sort of like this eye-opening thing for me. It made me reflect on my relationship in ways that I hadn't before. And it made me re- recognize this guilt that I had and start to question why I had this guilt. Where did this come from? Despite the fact that like this guy was taking advantage of me. Um, and, you know, it just, I saw, it's maybe an obvious thing to say now, but I saw that like sexual shame and seeking approval in men and, and, and sort of like taking on the responsibility of, of problematic relationships is really a universal experience for women. Um, and, and so I wanted to set, I, I think because it was like such a meaningful realization for me and I, and I got to learn about myself. I, I, I wanted to set the film in this world that, you know, really reflects our own world. Um, and, I think the other thing is we are a country that is very much affected by conservative Christian thought. Mm. Uh, it literally affects my day-to-day life. It affects your day-to-day life, even if you don't live in that. Um, and I, so I think what's for something that is, has such a big impact on my life, I wanted to understand it better. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and honestly in doing so, ended up finding a lot of empathy and a lot of admiration for faith that I, I, I don't think I, I necessarily went into the project anticipating. Right. Uh, and that was very cool. So I was just trying to Google and my brain is not working properly because, you know, fundamentalist Christian, but it's also really similar to fundamentalist Jewish um, mm. because women are not allowed to sing. They have to be covered and I was reminded of that amazing miniseries on Netflix, which I totally am spacing on the name now. Unorthodox. Um, yes. Um, <laughs> I was just like, can I find that, Melissa? Where's your brain? <laughs> um, you know, similar to Jem, like her kind of awakening. And I think. Yeah, that- I mean, I think it's fundamental. Extreme, extremism in all religion, it seems, it always seems to uh, subjugate women. Yeah, it's always about power. And uh they don't really want women to have any of it because imagine 
Imagine the world if we were all equal. I mean, uh, there was something in your notes that said, you know, patriarchy is not just bad for women. It's bad for men, too. And that's what, you know, feminists have been saying since the beginning of time, but nobody really processes that. So um, I want to talk a little bit about the film development. So you um, submitted it to the Sundance Lab, got into the Sundance Lab, the Writer's Lab, right? The Writer's Intensive. Writer's Intensive. So that was process one. And then... Did you meet your producer at that lab or did you meet your producer at another lab? Because I know the Sundance kind of really tries to, for lack of a better word, you know, it grooms, it grooms these kinds of scripts. It, it, it believes, you know, um, it believes in the story, believes yeah, in the yeah. story. It, 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 um, it helps, it nurtures, nurtures, better word, that nurtures, much foster. better word than groom. Um, yeah, that's funny. It nurtures your scripts along, script along the way because, you get into the system and they really want to see success, which, you know, I'm, I'm envious of, uh, as a person who runs a lab of like how they, how they do that. And so, for sure. So when did you meet the producer? Um, so I have uh, two producers on the project, Kara Durrett and Kevin Rowe. Um, and I, I met them, uh, years before actually. Oh, at okay. South- Southwest at separate South by Southwest. Um, and Kara had a short there, uh, the same year that she had produced the same year that I had a short there that I directed. And we just, we met that way and, and just really vibed and, and connected. And, um, and then a couple, it was maybe a year or two later, um, you know, I, I had the script and, and, and we connected over it. I knew Kara comes from a conservative Christian background and, um, I, I wanted to bring people onto the project who come from that world. That's mm-hmm. not why she got, why we connected. I mean, yeah. first and foremost, she's a wonderful producer and a wonderful human being. Um, but, but that was sort of like the cherry on top that, that she had that background. Um, and then she, yeah, you know, we did the writer's intensive and, and Kara went through the creative producing labs at Sundance with the project. And then we actually also went, uh, went through their program catalyst. Um, right. and that was, how we helped us to, to secure a lot of our financing. That's amazing. So we like, really quite literally wouldn't be here without Sundance. No, you, you have what people call the golden ticket. Um, <laughs> and how long between when you wrote the script to getting into the lab? Um, I think it was maybe a year and a half. I did the writer's intensive in 2019. I think I started writing Starling at the end of 2017. Okay. Um, so now so- we're about six years out from the first inkling. Almost, I gotta um, say that's, that's pretty fast in, in, in parlance of, you know, woman director land. Um, yeah. so, so you went through the labs, you got, you got financing and then you shot the film and then you submitted to Sundance, you got into Sundance. And so talk a little bit about a first time filmmaker, what the Sundance experience is like. You didn't have a buyer. You walked in with a sales agent, right? Yes. Okay. So talk a little bit about um, like, this experience. Of being at Sundance. Yeah. It is incredible and a dream come true. And um, so amazing to screen my film in front of 400 people who are very vocal uh, and having a great time watching it. And um, at the same time, it is so stressful. <laughs> 
yeah. so anxiety inducing, honestly, because you're just like, this is the first time that my film is out to the public. I don't know how anyone is going to react to it. I don't know if this film is going to sell. I don't know if the critics are going to like it. Like, there's just a lot of pressure. Um, yeah. Obviously, Champagne Problems. This is I got to make my movie, um, and and it got into Sundance, and, and I'm so so grateful. But yeah, but you know, it, it is a lot. Um, and I just wanted to surround myself with my my crew that I trusted and, and my family, and, and, and like. Um, and be, and be comforted. And, and then, it, and then it was great. And then, you know, and, and, uh, we sold the film and just knowing that we had a partner that was gonna be supportive of, you know, the vision of the film and, and, and how we wanted people to see it, um, was really, really meaningful. Yeah. Giving um, a shout out to Bleecker Street for having a yes. lot of, <laughs> lot of women director films this year. So yes, power yes, to yes. you. But what is, is there, could you offer any advice to any filmmakers, particularly women filmmakers that you would have liked to have known before you gone into Sunday, gone to Sundance? Like what, what were you like, ah, next time? Hmm. Um, <laughs> don't go out and party and stay out really late the day that you have the day before you have press. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we so were that- out really late the day of the premiere and then uh had like press starting at 9 a.m and it was rough um (laughs) really fun um god i you know i think if you if you can try to be in the moment as much as you can and try to appreciate it i and you know does i might never have another film at sundance i don't know like this it's a very special thing and 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 it's an achievement and um allow yourself to to celebrate that and and yeah and just enjoy it everything in the it's great all the things in the press notes um talk about how this film was was a hundred percent from jim's perspective and how how when you dealt with your actors, did you be like, okay, this is all from her perspective. And that's such a, oh God, also like revolutionary. You were like, this is all from her perspective. Yeah. I mean, it had to be um, because, you know, we were walking this very fine line of wanting the audience to get to understand the intoxication and to get sort of the gem feels and, and this, this beauty and this opening up in her, in her life um, and understand how she gets wrapped up in everything while at the same time conveying that this relationship is problematic. Um, and I, you know, I wanted the audience to feel what she feels and, and, and to experience the relationship, how she experiences it um, sort of to show how anybody can fall into a situation situation like this and in the way to do that is to ground the story entirely in her perspective like you're gonna want what your protagonist wants um and you you know and it was also like the casting with lewis finding an actor for to play owen who was charismatic and magnetic and and, and i think you hit that so th- yeah i think you got good that. <laughs> good i'm glad um that was really really important to to help him to not be this like one-dimensional predator but you know to to give him qualities so that you, 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 yeah, you're kind of like, Oh, I kind of do want them to be together. Oh God, wait, why did I want that? Um, and, and yeah, that really, that comes from that immediacy and that intimacy of being with the main character moment to moment and experiencing what she's experiencing moment to moment. Yeah. I mean, 
girl being a teenager um, yes. and having a lot of repression in your life and not knowing what to do with it. Um, did you always know you were going to direct this film? Was that like the intention at the beginning, right? I'm writing this. I'm directing this. Yes. Always. Okay, good. Always. Um, and a little bit, uh, some of the language you talk about is like the gray area of this relationship. It's really gray and, um, consent and intimacy. And I know the world is changing now on sets with protecting mostly actresses and also giving actors more, you know, probably, uh, probably actors like it too, with the intimacy directors and, People like that, I'm wondering um, on your set, how you handled the sex scenes and did you have an intimacy coordinator? Yeah, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. We had an intimacy coordinator, uh, Olivia Troy, who was wonderful. Um, And, you know, I I, I can't, I won't speak for the actors uh, in in their experience, um, but it, it seemed to be that, you know, everyone was, comfortable and um and it was about just creating a sense of of trust um between all of us and and just talking about it a lot beforehand and you know the great thing about uh having an intimacy coordinator and really and and just thinking about you know blocking and stuff is that's how you make actors comfortable right like if you if you have it all blocked out and you know, like at this point, your hand goes here at this point, you slide down on the seat here at this point, he gets on top of you here. He touches you here. Uh, or, or, you know, the, and the actors say where they're comfortable being touched and, and all of that. Um, then it's not, it's not so scary. If you just say to the actors, all right, uh, you're going to go in there and have sex and just figure it out. Then you're just like, what, like, what, what am I doing? And that's when panic starts. Yeah. Um, so it's really just about, yeah, the really clear communication and, and talking about intention and intention of the scene and intention for the characters and, and creating trust. And, and, you know, I mean, obviously sex scenes are always a little weird. Like that's just the inherent nature of the, of them, but, um, but they handle it wonderfully and, uh, and they did in a really, a really amazing job. It was, you know, it's tricky. That scene yeah. in, in the car is, that's a, that's a heavy scene. Um, and yeah, I think you did a really great job on it. Thank you. Um, Thank so you. my last question is it feels to me, and I would like you to elaborate a little bit more on that. There are, that it's changing a bit for women creatives, women directors out there in the world that your generation is going to is, is really going to have more opportunities than the generations before you. Is that something you talk about with your peers? Is that something that you notice? Is that, you know, am I wrong? What, what, what are your thoughts on that? No, you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, it's, I'm so aware of the women who came before me and am so grateful for the strides that they made so that I am able to, you know, pursue this career with more opportunities. Um, it's something that I, I'm trying to, that I've been working to fight within myself. I think there, I think women have been taught that there, there's like not enough room, um, for all of us and, and this sort of like scarcity thing. Scarcity and, mentality. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, that we need to compete. And obviously there's competition in, 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 in what we do. Um, of course, like, 
if we're all vi if not, you know, not just between women, between everyone who's trying to be a director, but it it's just such an unhealthy mentality. And it's, and it's something that, yeah, I think I was taught at a young age and it's something I'm actively trying to work against and fight against that scarcity mindset and, and be and come from a place of wanting to lift each other up. Abundance. It's the abundance mentality. Yeah. It's something that you have to be really conscious of. And I think a lot of people are really thinking about this now, not just in film, but in other ways about how it's not about one person. Um, because that's the way that the patriarchy wins. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's such a poisonous, horrible way to exist. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I'm so glad that, that we're talking about it and that, and that, you know, we're trying to, to move past that and, and be better. Absolutely. Well, I wish you best of luck on the film. It's opening on May 12th. And, uh, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for your time. You have great, great questions. Great to meet you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to share with a friend or better yet, follow us on Spotify and give us five stars or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Spreading the word really helps us reach as many people as possible. You can also subscribe to the Substack for the Women in Hollywood weekly newsletter of all content buying about women that is opening and streaming. You can sign up directly at womenandhollywood.com. In Her Voice is produced by Leonie Marsh. This is a Women in Hollywood Productions podcast. I'm Melissa Silverstein. Until next time, goodbye.